0: outside of the uh, pilot episode where I don't have audio interview audio from an interview um, which is okay and I'll I'll, you know delve into that more later Uh, it's just gonna be a little bit different format this time around and then I'll return back to the regular format in a future episode Uh, first up a new feature this may be the only time I do it uh, it's kind of nice not having a boss or anybody looking over your head because you can just kind of do whatever you want uh, but I do get some statistics for the podcast where it's listened to how many times it's listened to uh, etc and one of the really interesting things that I, I find is, is where in the world uh, people listen to it and where they're from uh, I mean, obviously, I'm based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and the uh, initial intent was, I mean, I'm interviewing MS warriors from around the Edmonton area, um, but obviously, it goes on to the internet, and the internet is accessible to, well, anyone who has the internet. So, um, every now and then, I take a look at the statistics, and I and I can see where uh, different places in the world where people have listened to it. Um and interesting enough, I mean, obviously the the top city on the planet uh, that listens to the podcast, where the most listeners come from, um, an overwhelming overwhelming majority of come from is, is Edmonton. Uh, but I was shocked to see that the second, uh the, the, well, I was shocked to see that in the top five, um, there's obviously a listener in Ashburn virginia i believe that uh va is the state code for virginia uh if i was wrong with that i i apologize but i'm canadian so what do i know um and i was gonna play a little game and say well let me guess where that is on a map but uh i bounced this idea off my wife and she jumped the gun and let me know that it's actually quite near washington and baltimore so um, so sort of in the middle to Southeast turn coast of the United States or near there. Um, but also but it's really interesting to me cause I've never been there. Uh, but obviously my voice has, which I, for me is, is, is strange. Uh, some other places of note, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, London, United Kingdom, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, you know, it's, it's really, really neat to see that, uh, uh, I'm assuming other MSers in other parts of the world are listening. And if any of them are listening to this one, I never wanted to be part of the the podcast or uh, be a guest on the podcast. They could be via the magic of either Skype or FaceTime. Um, it'd be very easy to set up. So if any of you are listening or especially the, the, the person or people in ashburn virginia in the united states uh that may be listening to this uh reach out to me because it'd be really cool to have um you know a perspective of somebody who you know is not a northern alberta northern alberton um yeah some other things in the ms world this week some cool i don't love cool is the right word but interesting stories that i saw uh, i noticed this one actually today um there is a lady in the UK who had some dramatic um, improvement in her symptoms after she took uh, medication that's normally given to people who have HIV. Um, I guess uh, you know, a while ago she was worried uh, that she contracted AIDS and told her doctor and they prescribed her some, I guess it was an emergency uh, a drug that you get, or drug, drug or drugs that you get when you, uh, and under those circumstances, and within a couple of days, she went from a wheelchair to walking up some stairs, um, and it's actually spurred some doctors to do a study on it to say, to have a look at, you know, potentially, uh, could this be a treatment for other, uh, other MSers and. Um, anyway it's an interesting it's an interesting article uh, it's a BBC news story that I that I saw uh, today if uh, you're interested in reading it I will leave the link to the story in the companion notes on on the website for this podcast and you'll be able to click on it read it yourself so uh, but I mean I, in, in if you when you read when you read through the story you notice that uh, they start talking about and and not something that I, I don't believe that I've come across before I probably maybe I have I, I don't know that uh, apparently there has been some connection made with potential viral infections and the development of MS. However, as everything multiple sclerosis, it doesn't seem to be that way with everyone who has MS. So, um, and they're wondering that the anti, if the anti, like the really extreme antiviral drugs that were given to this, uh, lady living with MS in the UK, um, uh, may have attacked a virus that was responsible for causing uh some of her issues. Um now they do say that you know at the near the end of the story that you know this is not to be taken as a miracle cure and it has been proven uh etc etc so I'm not suggesting that um you all go run out to your doctors and start asking for HIV medication or anything like that. I'm just suggesting you should read it cuz it's an interesting read. Um another interesting uh, some more interesting research that came out uh, this new story I'm looking at came out on the 25th of October and I actually came came aware of this by uh, my local MS society um, posting it on Facebook and it was an article that linked to some research that is being done on white blood cells and uh, specifically this is a study being done uh, at the Montreal Neurological Institute uh, at uh, McGill University and it notes that emerging studies have found a second set of cellular cellular perpetrators or B cells are actually significant contributors to uh, multiple sclerosis and I'm not a, a scientist or a doctor, so I'm not, I'm not going to try and explain to you exactly what a B-cell is. Um, but this story notes that um, there are some specific pro-inflammation B-cells, and as we all know, uh, MS is an inflammatory disease. And, um, and anyway, these particular cells... Uh, were found to be more prone to activation in MS patients um, again if you're at all interested uh, in reading this this particular article I will leave uh, a link to it on the companion uh, post to this podcast along with the other stories that I mentioned um, you may not be like me you may not be interested in reading on the current research and I get that um, but I am I, I like to try and keep up to date I don't always have the time for it but I find it helpful. Um, now switching gears. Now the reason why there is no uh, interview uh, on this episode is that I actually did an interview. Uh, I actually met with uh, a local MS Warrior uh, last week, uh, last Friday actually. And while I was talking to her, um, I could tell that every time that, that, that you know, I said, okay, let's, let's start recording you could just, I could just tell that uh, you know she wasn't a hundred percent comfortable with being recorded Uh, so long story short I asked her about it and she said that you know she's more comfortable with the written word and I said well uh, you know that's that's okay you know the idea that struck me at the time was why don't we or why don't I uh, set you up with access to the, you know, my blog at com, and you can write your story. So I don't want to, uh, you know, sort of reveal too much of it and I'll wait for, for her to, to, to post her thoughts on the blog uh, to share with all of you. Um, but what I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to even mention, I'm not going to mention her name or, um I'm going to allow that to come out when, when she's ready for it to come out. Uh, however, the conversation was a really powerful one for me. Um, because this person has a, a perspective that I would have never, uh, I would have never thought of. And it's not from a place of ignorance. It's just a place of, it just would have never occurred to me. And, you know, she did mention that she's, she does listen to the podcast and, and mentioned to me that uh, you know while she, she appreciates it enjoys it and but she didn't hear her voice and I mean that's that's obvious I mean I'm uh, you know I'm a 30, 39 year old uh, married husband of two uh, you know I am a Caucasian male and that gives me uh, a certain window on the world it doesn't make my opinions right or wrong uh it just makes them the opinions of a almost 40 year old married father of two who's caucasian who lives in northern canada and you know what really struck me about the conversation is that there are so many different uh perspectives and people who live with ms and that can you know that that can be involved with age it can be involved with you know it can have uh, you know, age can factor into it. Uh, gender can factor into it. Um, uh, race can factor into it. Religious background, cultural background. Um, you know, everybody is you know uh, a patchwork quilt of, of where where they you know where their roots came from. Um, you know, from myself. Uh, you know, my 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 father. Uh, is basically European background, uh, Scottish, Scottish, Irish, British. Um, his mother was a war bride. Uh, his father, I believe, was a uh, would have been either a second or third generation Canadian, but it, and with roots from uh, you know Ireland, basically the UK. Uh, my mother uh, is French Canadian, and um, I believe. Her father would again be, uh, best guess would it be a second generation Canadian, uh, French Canadian. Uh, her mother, same thing, but her mother was had a Métis background, which you know probably puts her in second or third generation uh, Canadian. So, um, so I guess we do have, uh, you know, Native North American. Or I do, I you know, I have some Native North American. Uh, genealogy. Um, you definitely wouldn't notice it if you met me. Um, if you knew that about my mom, you might be able to um, notice a little, I suppose. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I basically, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, predominantly. My my childhood was from nineteen seventy six till you know I graduated school, high school in nineteen ninety four. And it was a pretty typical Canadian upbringing for for, for a boy. Uh, played hockey, played soccer, um, was average at school, I guess. I mean, at different times I did better than others, but uh, the interest wasn't always there. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, the reason why I'm talking about this is that that's my background. And for any of you listening to this, <clears throat> obviously your backgrounds would be Different, and you would have different uh, ways you approach disease and, and just life in general. And you know, I think one of the great things about you know sort of an experiment like this podcast is is to get all those wide variety of stories out there. Um, you know, I, I I again the 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 lady that I interviewed last week, I and anybody that I've that I've talked to. Uh, I've I appreciate it so much that people will spend the time to talk to me and share their stories, because <clears throat> I have heard from other MSers that it helps them. It helps them just know that they're not alone. Um, it helps them know that somebody's going through the same thing. Uh, little tips and tricks um, and things that uh, you know um, that are offered uh, that come out in the talks uh, help them, and you know, and I'm happy to be that that conduit, and I. You know, it really it there had there's a huge impact on me personally because I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from talking to other MS warriors. I've learned a lot um, just about life and how to approach things in my own family and my own relationship. And um, you know, one of the things that came up in the interview last week was the uh, was the spoon theory and. Because it, you know, it got mentioned by Megan, uh, I think in episode one, and by Neil, and probably episode four or five. Um, and that's something I've now started using at home. Now, I don't, I haven't gone to the extreme where I um, actually have a jar of spoons, you know, sitting on the counter so my wife knows. However, I've explained that to her, and when I say to her, you know, Han, I'm, I'm on my last couple spoons today. She knows exactly what it what it um, uh, what I mean by that, and that's just so powerful because it's given me a tool uh, to be able to communicate how I'm feeling uh, and really break it down into a easily un- understood uh, manner, so that my wife can understand like okay he's you know he's running out of juice and and we've all been there you know we've all been there and um, so again. Um, I'd like to thank the lady next week I really look forward to her blog post on, on the website and uh, I can't stress enough if there's anyone out there that's listening to this, and I don't care if you're in Edmonton I don't care if you're in Ashburton, Virginia I don't care if you're somewhere over in Europe or Africa or I don't know wherever, if you're listening and you want uh, to share your story and and be on the podcast I want this to be as inclusive as possible so Reach out to me, uh, get a hold of me, and like I said, due to the magic of you know technologies like Skype and FaceTime, uh, we can very easily uh, do an interview uh, via the internet that I can record and. Um, so anyway, that that's that part. Of um, now the last podcast I talked about, uh, and this kind of ties into what I talked to uh, the person last week about, one of the questions she asked me, and. Maybe I've never really succinctly um, put this on the blog or on the podcast, and it could be a question that some of you are wondering. I don't know, uh, but here it is. And the question she asked me was, "How do you? How did you start running? Um, you know, like how bad was your MS when you started, and how did you manage to go from?" that to running two marathons back to back in a day. Uh, And honestly, now that I think about it, I don't really think I've ever really put it uh, clearly either on the blog or on the website. So this is how I answer the question. Um, I am a huge believer in small steps. And and as a result of my taking that journey to run that, that kind of distance. Um, so how it started, when I got, so I'll just back up. When I had my last, the big attack that caused the diagnosis, that was in 2006. It was, on, oddly enough, the attack happened Remembrance Day 2006, so it's very easy to remember my anniversary date. I mean, as far as, you know, pre and post MS. And at the time, I was a managing partner in a restaurant in Edmonton. I was walking out of the office, out to the front of house and there was a cook uh, named Ken who was bugging me for a raise and as I was walking out to the front he was you know in my ear about getting a raise and then all of a sudden the entire entire right side of my body went numb and the numbness was like if you sat on your hand too long that's basically how it felt like right down the middle right down from my big toe on my right side, right to the top of my head, that eye, ear, everything, just numb. And I thought, oh, this doesn't seem good. And honestly, I thought, the first thing in my head was, okay, you're having a stroke. I was, I was under a lot of stress at the time. Uh, I wasn't particularly healthy. Uh, I was smoking uh, a lot of late nights, a lot of high stress because of, you know, being involved in a business, and there was a labor shortage at that time. Uh, and I was working really crazy hours, and I honestly thought, okay, psh, you're having a stroke. Uh, couldn't tell you why I didn't call an ambulance. Since I guess it's just not my way. Uh, my parents uh, had a had a place near where the restaurant was, and I knew they were home, obviously because it was a holiday. You know, holiday. It was a Remembrance Day, so there was nobody's working that day. And I called them, and I said explain what was happening. They came and grabbed me, took me over to the Misericordia Hospital in Edmonton. I knew it was really serious when, uh, you know, I walk into emergency and they get you that little desk where you're talking to the nurse and I didn't have to wait. They just got me right into a bed and I thought, okay, I'm having a stroke or something. Anyway, four or five hours later after tests and this and that, and talking to the doctor, like, well, we can't find anything wrong with you. You know, like you're not having a cardiac event. That was the first time I heard multiple sclerosis because he did ask me at that time, do you have any family history? And at that time, a maternal aunt had been diagnosed for at least four or five years at that time. So anyway, that's how it started. And then from there, I wasn't able to work again for seven months. Uh, The symptoms actually got worse. I had some optic neuritis, which most of us us have had, uh, balance problems, uh, you know, so it was pretty rough for. Uh, I would say three or four months for sure. And then it got to the point where, and then, I was living in Saint Albert. For those who are not familiar with Edmonton, Saint Albert's a little suburb of Edmonton. Um, my parents are living in the West End, and um, my parents, you know, uh, said, you know, come live with us for a while until you can manage for yourself. So. I moved in with him, I think for about a month or a month and a half, uh, until I was able, well, maybe it was a little longer than that. I don't know. I'd have to ask him, but so fast forward after, after I, you know, was able to go home, but I still wasn't medically cleared to go to work. And while I was waiting for this diagnosis, which I mean, it was, it was pretty evident at that point that I was going to get diagnosed. I mean, it wasn't uh, a huge shock when it was officially diagnosed. Um, but anyway, I, uh, got really bored. I mean, it's really bored, boring sitting in a house all day by yourself. And, you know, I uh, I had a roommate, but I didn't have a family at the time. I didn't, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. I didn't have kids at the time. I didn't even have a pet. So I was bored. So I at that time, I lived right across the street from the trails, the Red Willow, Red, Red Willow Trails that uh, wrap around the Sturgeon River in St. Albert. So uh, this would have been... Say February of 2007, I uh, would have started walking. and It was cold. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I actually wouldn't even walk on the path. I mean, it was so cold that the river was completely frozen over. And again, for those of you not familiar with the Georgian River, this is not a raging river by any stretch of the imagination. I would think that it, at best it's 50 feet wide. And I would think it can't be any more than 10 feet deep. Uh, At its deepest and there's I'm sure that there's places that are far shallower than that Um, So it was completely frozen over and I used to just walk right down the middle of the river into downtown and then I walk up the hill by the old school and around and But when I first started walking uh, I didn't walk very far because I mean I was just coming off that you know I'm still recovering from a pretty severe MS attack and I wasn't that great a shape, so I, you know, I'd probably walk—I don't know—a kilometer at a time if it was even that far. But I just made a habit of it. Every day, I'd you know, I forced myself to get out the door, and if even it was—even if I only walked a couple blocks, I just walked a couple blocks. And every day, I would just remind myself that you got to get out and do something because it was just so boring. You can only watch so much TV, and you can only fart around on the internet so so much. So I. Mean, I Forced myself to every day, and even those days where I didn't want to go, sometimes it would take me forty-five minutes to an hour just to drag my ass off the couch and walk literally two blocks, you know. Um, But by forcing myself to do it every day, even if it was a really short distance, I just got it came habitual, and it became easier and easier and easier to force myself out of those really. Low points where you have no energy, the lethargic and you know, all that. I just kept forcing myself, forcing myself, forcing myself. And then, so that went on for a couple winter months. So, you know, February, March, April, uh, probably into May. And then all the snow started going away. Uh, once the snow started going away, and because I'd been walking, and by this point I was probably walking, you know, 5K at a shot. Uh and then I'd be on the river pass after the the uh, river thawed, and you know I'd walk, and then I started just running short distances, and and again, if you're not familiar with the Red Willow trails in Saint Albert, there are bridges that go over it. Some of them are just pedestrian, but some of them are, are are vehicle bridges, and and so forth and so on. And I would say on average, you know, the average distance between two bridges would be uh you know four or five hundred meters which should be you know maybe half a kilometer maybe not even that long uh for any american people that are listening to this aren't familiar with kilometers a kilometer is a kilometer shorter than a, uh so maybe a a third of a mile roughly but between the two so i would make myself a bet like can you run you know when i first started running i should back up again but it would be like maybe a hundred meters or you know 90 yards at a shot kind of thing um and anyway i think you hold on it doesn't matter um and they were just light jogs i mean olympic sprinters they sprint the 100 meter dash i wasn't sprinting i mean i was barely i mean i barely you could barely call it a run i mean i was trotting maybe and so i'd do that for a bit and then i'd walk and I did that for a bit, for, but then I got to the point where I would just see if I could run from one bridge to the next, and then I'd walk the rest. And then it got to the point where I decided, okay, well, and I went onto Google Earth, and I'd actually measured the path, so I knew, okay, so if I run from here to here, it's a kilometer. If I run from here, and so forth, and so on. So I remember I made myself a one-kilometer loop, and I ran a kilometer. And it, the first, you know, the first couple times I tried it, I mean, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I was... Five eleven, two hundred and sixty 260 pounds. And it wasn't that good 260 pounds. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, it is what, I mean, it is what it is. You gotta be honest with yourself. But I mean, it was, I was not, I was not, I was not fit. Uh, and I remember one time I actually thought, you know, what are you doing? idiot? And I wanted to punch myself. I, I was just thinking, you idiot. Um, but anyway, eventually a kilometer became easy and then it just kind of grew from there. I, got comfortable running a kilometer without stopping. So then I went two, and then two became two and a half. Uh, two and a half became five. I remember, then the goal became, just get to the point where you can run five kilometers. And at that point in my head, five kilometers was a marathon. You know, it, for me, if I could run five kilometers without stopping, that was a marathon. So I, uh Got to the point where I could run five kilometers, and then I started thinking, okay. And it's weird how weird how it worked exponentially. Because when I got to the point where I could run five kilometers, I wasn't thinking about running seven or even six. I was like, okay, let's see if I can run ten. And then, you know, months go by, and then I was able to run ten. And then, so now we're at the end of two thousand seven, going into two thousand eight. Snow comes again, and near um, my, where I was living, uh, there's the service center in St. Albert, and the service center has a four-lane indoor track, so I could keep running during the winter time, And so then I went there and kept running, and then near the end of 2000, going into 2008, I thought, if I can get up to 10K by the spring, Maybe I should look at running a half marathon. So, fast forward again, we got to the summer of 2008, and I was running 10k relatively easy. I mean, not again, not fast times or anything, but relatively easy. I dropped weight, obviously. I think I went from about 260, I was probably down to about 225, 230, something like that. And feeling really good. And going into the fall of 2008, a guy I used to work with uh, started training, becoming a personal trainer at the service center. And so I walked up to him when he was there one day, cause, you know, we'd always chit chat when I was there. And I said, Cam, could you train me to run a half marathon? And he said, sure. So he set me up with a program. And then in April of, two, or is it April or May? It was either April or May of 2009, I ran my first ever half marathon in Red Deer, Alberta. I did it in two hours and eight minutes. Um, And for me, when I ran that first, that half marathon, that was the end. I thought, okay, this is it. I mean, we've, I can run a half marathon now. Never thought of, had no ambition to ever run a full marathon, an ultra marathon, any of that stuff. Um, But that's how it started. I mean, that's how it started. It started from running, trying to run. Like short, short distances like a block or block or two or two or two, start with running. it started with walking, and it was a baby step process from you know the winter of two thousand seven all the way up to the spring of two thousand nine so we're talking you know just over two years it took to be able to uh, take myself from a really overweight, very unhealthy coming off an m s attack to running a half marathon so it's not something that you just do uh it isn't anything that um it, it, but however it, I, I think it's vital and i think it's crucial i think the stronger you make yourself the better you can ward off the effects uh, of, of, of ms it's it's no one could convince me otherwise i think that if you so if anyone, you know, is wondering, well, how do you do it? That's how you do it. You, you start small. So um, if you're having trouble just getting out of, you know, just getting out of uh, off the couch. Um, so if you live, let's say you live in an apartment building. Make yourself a deal. Let's say you live on the third floor of an apartment building. Make yourself a deal that once a day, you're going to walk down to the front door, open it, go outside briefly. Go back inside and walk up the three flights of stairs. That's it. And make yourself a pact. I'm going to do that for a full week. See how you feel. And you'll find, over time, doing that will seem relatively easy. And then you're going to think, well, why don't I, instead of just going, when I go outside and open the door, why don't I walk around the block and then walk up three flights of stairs? And then once that gets easy, and you see it just kind of, but the distance traveled doesn't matter. The time you do it in doesn't matter. Um, it just doesn't. What matters is doing it. And because I find that when I'm running, uh, especially if I'm feeling really depressed, I suffer from depression. I've been diagnosed with anxiety disorder uh, and bipolar disorder. And this is probably something I haven't talked about enough. Uh, either on the podcast or or on the website uh, But yeah, I, I and I come from a history of depression. I mean, that's it's on um, you know, it's I have a family history of depression, so um, And I find for myself when I'm feeling really low the best thing for me to do is put my shoes on and go out for a run um, You know they talk about the runner's high or, or whatever and it's true once those endorphins, you know get released you feel good. And I also find that when I'm feeling really fatiguing, and this is going to sound counterintuitive to most people with MS who may be listening to this, but when I'm feeling really fatiguing and I'm having one of those days where it doesn't even feel worthwhile to get out of bed, the best thing for me to do is get out go for a run. I'm, I'm not kidding. I won't lie to you. It takes a while. It takes a lot uh, of willpower just to force myself out the door to do it. It takes a lot a lot of willpower just to even get going. Because my legs just don't even feel under me. And But after about 5 or 10 minutes, a really interesting phenomenon happens. The fatiguey, uh, really crappy feeling uh, seems to go away. And all of a sudden, I feel okay. And all of a sudden, my mind leaves that negative place, that negative cycle that it was in. And it goes to a positive place. And... I think that's very, very powerful. So, long answer to the question of how you do it. That's how you do it. Um, Well, that's how I did it. And, you know, and even if it's not three flights of stairs, maybe it's even just walking from the living room to the kitchen and back. I don't know. It, It depends on where you're at. And... Like I said, it, the distance does not matter. The intensity does not matter because the intensity and the distance and all that will come in time. It'll just come naturally. But to start up, I mean, get out of your chair, walk into the next room, walk back. You know. Um, I don't know. Maybe it sounds silly. I just know that's that's what worked for me, and that's uh, that's how I did it. Speaking of running, I started last week training uh, for the really long run uh i have to, <laughs> i have to admit last week wasn't uh wasn't a whole lot of fun uh, i wasn't uh, I wasn't having a good ms week um, and it, it was it was tough just uh to, just to get the runs done uh, i got them done I'm not happy with how they went but to be honest with you I'm never happy with how they go so <laughs> Uh, I mean, that was to be expected. Uh, I had my first training session with uh, Chris T, who you would have heard on the, the last podcast. Uh, he's the crazy guy who is planning on running the entire distance with me, uh, you know, again, this May. And uh, and it was really, really great. It was, it was really great because what, what he's trying to do is the last time I trained to, to do this distance, uh, you know, run 80 kilometers in a day, I didn't have a trainer, Uh, I read some stuff online, and as with most things that I do, I just kind (laughs) of, just did it on my own, and I made a lot of mistakes, Uh, I mean, I made huge mistakes, and one of the mistakes that I'm really realizing that I made is that my mechanics were all wrong, Uh, you know, Chris, Chris probably took 10 minutes to assess me. He had me walk around, he had me do some things, some squats and stuff, and he was just, and I realize now, he was just looking at my movement to see where the errors would be, and after about 10 minutes, he just looked at me, and he said, do you have a really bad knee or something on your right side, which I do, it's horrible. And I said, yeah, he said, because your IT band on that side is really tight, and it's pulling, and... And I've known that for I've known that for about a year and a half now that my IT band basically pulls on my right leg, basically pulls my right kneecap out of position, and it really causes a lot of issues with my knee. So he he took the time to sort of assess me and and that. And now every night I went and bought a foam roller. I've been rolling out my IT bands, my hamstrings, my uh, my shoulders, and it it hurts. And the reason why it hurts is because they're so tight. My my, you know, these these things are so tight. So basically, what he's doing is correcting the mechanics of what I of how I'm running, and that's fantastic because it's going to make a huge difference. It, it already has. I mean, the first time I rolled out my uh, 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 my uh, shoulder muscles and 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 that um, man, it just felt like I felt like a million bucks. I didn't feel like a million bucks when I was doing, it, but I, I really felt good. So, uh, yeah, so if you want to know, know any more about Christy, you can listen to the last podcast uh, or you can find him at blitzconditioning.com. Um, so, yeah, I uh, the, the training this week has gone better, uh, certainly gone better. Um, I'm feeling better. I had a good run today. I've run twice this week. I run again tomorrow. Uh, I meet with Chris again Friday morning, and then I'm going to do, depend, I'm hoping to run outside this Friday, I'm hoping the weather's going to be decent, um, And not this Friday, this Saturday, I'm hoping to run outside this Saturday, and I think I'll probably go, I'm going to try for 15, uh, do a 15K, and then do a 10K on Sunday, um, which may, may sound like a lot to you, but actually near the end. Once I get closer to the, to the run in May, I'll be running distances of like 25, 30 on Saturday and then running, you know, 15 to 20 again. And there was even one time uh, in training last last year where I did a 40, a 40, so basically a marathon on Saturday. Then I ran a half marathon on the Sunday. Um, that's all part of the training. It's, uh, you know, last year I ran 1,800 kilometers uh, to get ready. Uh, I think this year I actually won't run as much. Uh, I don't, I I'm know I'm not starting from as far back as I was the last time around. So, um, yeah, so really looking forward. i am starting to look forward to training now, which is good. Anyway, so that, that is episode eight of the Y E G M S podcast. Um, again, format was a little different this week. Um, and it will, I'll have it, you know, I'll have a guest again next, uh, in two weeks. um, so, uh, the usual usual stuff that i got to plug, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at ownms.com1, that's at O-W-N-M-S-D-O-T, and the number one. You can email me anytime at Sean at ownmultiplesclerosis.com, that is S-E-A-N, at... O Wn com You can find you can also check out the really long run to and M- really long run to NMS page. You can find that at really long run to nms.ca. You can also find own multiple sclerosis on Facebook. And you can also find the Really Long Run uh, to NMS on Facebook. Uh, so please have a look at those. Uh, once if you'd like to be a guest please reach out to me uh, you know uh as the sole <laughs> the sole person working on this podcast it's uh you know to create it and to find guests that is is sometimes challenging so if you're at all interested in, in being a part of the podcast uh reach out to me email me tweet at me send me a message on facebook uh whatever works for you and uh and we'll have you on and again we can do it on the phone, we can do it in person, we can do it on Skype, we can do it on Facetime, uh, whatever works best for you and we'll make it happen. Um, And if you want to be a guest and you don't agree with a word that comes out of my mouth, that's cool. You can still be on, it's not, uh, this is not something where I want to filter other people. Uh, Everybody has their own background, uh, their own ideas and their own opinions and they deserve to have a platform for for to express them so uh, that's my uh, little rant this week and uh, we'll talk to you again in two weeks